Welcome to episode 61 and the start of season two of Off the Shelf. Call nobody here your teacher child. My anointing shouldn't be defined. Let the heart I gave be free and wild. You come follow me. Woven words that make a lie. Webs to capture and control. Like a net that's thrown on high and settles down upon the soul. So when you see them set the snare, spread your wings and fly away. A cage awaits you there. Freedom's in the words I say. Call nobody here your leader, child. Flesh and spirit. I want to welcome everyone to the start of season two of the Off the Shelf podcast. With me are my two co-hosts, Emily Arndt and Tim Krause. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Rod. Emily's been on the podcast previously, uh, and if you want to hear her story, you can go to episode 16 to 18, which is our interview with Emily. Uh, Emily currently resides in Wisconsin. Tim is in Arizona State at the present, and we're going to let Tim tell his story later on in the podcast. We've had constant requests to start the podcast up again because the impact has been so significant on a number of people. We decided to start season two. We're only planning on issuing one podcast a month for the time being. The reason I quit uh, over the last couple of years is that I was just too busy. I've led Part of Change, which was formerly Campus Crusade for Christ Canada, one of the largest Christian ministries in Canada, for the past five years. We've got over 500 staff, and you can imagine that keeps me very busy. I also sit on a couple of large Christian foundation boards and a couple of business boards. I am definitely not looking for anything to do. However, I have a deep love for all the people that we left behind in the message. I simply don't have the heart to give up on the many good people that are still in the message and have not had the opportunity to find out what we found out when we tried to prove the message to be true. One email I received from a listener said that listening to three to four podcasts at the time was some of the most important time they'd ever spent in their lives. And one listener accused me of saving her life. <laughs> so it's, it's really wonderful. Uh, our website, Believe the Sign, has now had over one million visits since we changed its emphasis back in August 2012. We are still getting up to 200 downloads a day on the podcast, even though we haven't done anything for a while. And I, I understand that message ministers continue to warn their flocks away uh, from the great falling away, which is a code for people are leaving their churches. They're telling people to stay away from the podcasts and websites because they might catch an evil spirit which is complete nonsense if you have the proper attitude towards the Lord. So 
In this first episode of season two, we're going to find out what's happened to Emily since we talked to her just over three years ago when she visited up, us up here in Canada. Uh, we'll have Tim introduce himself and tell us about his journey out of the message. And I want to try to address, if we have time, uh, some of the most common questions that message followers ask us when they start struggling with the message. Questions like, if William Branham is not the messenger, then who is? Second question, if the message is false, what should we believe? Third question, what church should I go to? How can I find a good church? And if we have any time left, uh, maybe we can chat about a few news items in the message that have come up over the last couple of years. First off, Emily, what has changed with you over the past three years? I know you're no longer in Uganda. Yes, yes. A lot has changed. I'm now here in the much further north in the northern hemisphere. I used to be about 30 miles north of the equator, living in Uganda, teaching at a university there and working as a full-time missionary, sharing the love of Jesus to uh, anyone I had a chance to interact with. So now I'm back in Wisconsin. As you said, I finished up my time in Uganda and moved back to the States in May of 2019. So taking this last year to kind of settle in and my career has kind of taken a hard turn. Uh, instead of working in veterinary medicine as I have for the past 15 years, I'm now working with my family in the family business, selling insurance. Um, I love the opportunity to meet with people, to help them with uh, you know, the, the challenges of navigating insurance, especially working with the elderly market. And uh, yeah, you know, ministry is taking the opportunity to connect with people walk alongside of them and share Jesus when the opportunity arises. And I thought I was going to be in Uganda for a very long time. When people ask, how long are you going to be there? I'd say from two months to 22 years. I don't know. Well, God knew. So he uh, very clearly closed the doors in Uganda. And uh, so here I am. And I think in the time of COVID, I'm pretty happy to be stateside, even though it's a little bit of chaotic mess here in the States too. But uh, one of the other kind of cool changes is around the time when God kind of started working in my heart going, hey, you might not be in Uganda for forever. I uh, had a chance, one of my friends who I had known growing up in the message, she was kind of like a second mother to me, contacted me after five years of cutting me out of her life and said, hey, I ran across this website called uh, Believe the Sign and have some questions and I don't know who to turn to. And I was kind of like, yay, we're friends again. She was terrified that I was going to be like, oh, you terrible person. You cut me out of your life and what are you doing? You know, but she realized, you know, I actually, quote, speak against the message not because I don't like anyone in the message, but because I love them so much. Watching the American Gospel recently on Netflix, Benny Hinn's nephew said something that was really profound, and it was in the time I was thinking about uh, joining and uh, being a co-host on this podcast. And he says, I'm speaking out not because I don't love my family, but because I love Jesus more. So my heart breaks every day when I see people struggling in the message, which as we all did, we, we genuinely believe it, you know, believed it was the truth. People genuinely believe it's the truth. Um, but 
We've seen the other side. We see that we don't need William Branham. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that uh, Jesus is it. There's no more, you know, the prophets were in the days of old, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. But now we have Jesus, and Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit. So that's where we're at, and that's why, even though I'm working in the family business now, I prayed long and hard about this, and I want to continue in ministry because I love and care for you know, everyone who I see is deceived. And if you truly search and look open-mindedly, not living in fear, but, you know, Isaiah says, let us come together and reason. Uh, reasoning's okay. Questioning's okay. Jesus and, you know, God can handle the questions. And uh, the Bereans got together every day to study to see if what Paul said was true. So I think we should do the same and have everything point back to the Bible. That's great, Emily. Thanks very much. I can't imagine a worse career than selling insurance, but <laughs> to each hey, their it's, own. It's way at, at least the rules and everything aren't a moving target when you're de dealing with bureaucracy in Uganda. Uh, you just never know. And at least there's not really bribes in insurance. And I say also the odds of getting kick, bit, or scratched by a client is greatly reduced than when I worked in the veterinary field. So I think I think there's some, some good things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tim, we want to take some time for you to tell us a bit of your story. Uh, you were a senior executive with Microsoft and left there in... In, in when, 2001, 2002, somewhere around there? Yeah, it was, uh, I actually left in uh, 2000, uh, had been at Microsoft for 10 years. That's a lot of dog years in the tech world, but uh, had actually left Microsoft. I, I, I'll tell you a little bit about how I got into the message. I, I'm a recovering Catholic on the 12-step program. I uh, essentially was raised a Catholic when, when we were kids, and I had six sisters, my dad used to travel a lot. He worked for Boeing. And uh, as a result of his travels, my mom wanted to even out the curriculum of, of the schools uh, and how we were going to school. And, and in moving to different areas like the Redstone Arsenal in Alabama or Allegheny Ballistic Laboratories or the, any of the factories or areas that my dad would go to on behalf of Boeing and we moved to my mom decided it was a good decision to kind of kind of keep our curriculum stable by sending us to Catholic schools. At this point, I can't even go into a penguin enclosure at the zoo uh, because they look too much like the like the nuns. But but we so we did that for a long time. And and one of the things that attracted, I mean, it was Baltimore Catechism. It was a very very conservative uh, Catholicism. Uh, it was it was very traditional. And I got away from Catholicism because of the ritualistic aspect of it. I was an altar boy and gosh, my grandmother had 13 brothers and sisters and there for about three summers, I was getting out of school frequently to go attend funerals and to serve at the funerals for my great aunts and uncles. But um, we, you know, I was, I was, uh, my mother would have much preferred that I got into ministry, but at the end of the day, uh, I left Catholicism because it was incredibly um, structured and incredibly conservative. I came back to Christianity later uh, looking for that conservative doctrine or the conservative approach and also a little bit more of the structure. I had gone into the service after high school 
went to work for a defense contractor. Microsoft snapped me up and and uh, I started working there. I was it was after I had left Microsoft that I had met a family that was actually in the message and their discussion with me about the conservative nature of their Christianity was very attractive. Had the I think had the had the discussion been just around the doctrine and not around a prophet, it would have been um, it would have been the best of all worlds, probably the perfect storm in terms of where I wanted to be from a doctrinal perspective. But it, we I began to attend a church at uh, Cloverdale. Uh, Canada, the Cloverdale, Cloverdale Bible Way, uh, attended there for a while, um, and actually, it was I really enjoyed my time there. I got to meet some really fabulous people that were in the message. Rod, that's I was I met you there and met you and your family. Yeah, and I, and and there were others that I really came became very close to. Um, you know, that that I really uh, that I really feel for now that that uh, I'm no longer in the message. I feel that they, uh, particularly given everything that's gone on at the Cloverdale Bible Way, not only in the message, but also as it relates to ministry there, uh, I, I really feel, I have a real heart for the people that were that are still at Cloverdale Bible Way. I, I feel like they are uh, every day being taken a little bit further from Christ, and it's, and it's very sad, but. You're right, I, it, it's particularly sad what's happened in that church. So how did you, so you came in contact, the message through a family. What was your experience in the message? Good people? Uh, were you, did you actually believe the message? Were you all in? People ask this of, of me and so, well, you can't, you couldn't really have believed if you left. Right. And that's one of the things you meet. And I'm, Emily, I'm sure you get this as well. You you couldn't have had a Christ experience or a Holy Ghost experience and have left the message. That that's just not possible. That the Holy Spirit somehow is is the message, and or that the message is involved with the Holy Spirit. And and so the uh, I. But I have to tell you to your question. Yeah, I thought the people in the message were fabulous people. I used to live in the Seattle area, and I used to drive four hours or so to go up to church. And I would take a couple of days in order to do that. There was one family, really fabulous family that would invite me to their home. And they just had a bed for me down in a, a guest room. And they said, whenever you come up for services, let us know. And, you know, we're happy to have you stay here. And, and I would cook because I really enjoy cooking. I would cook and the, the message uh, family, the wife in the message family would actually allow me to take over her kitchen. I think she appreciated the fact that she didn't have to cook that night. But we, but we would go. I mean, I just I loved cooking for them and being with them. I I got to meet a lot of people. Um, I got to participate in events and and participate in projects that were particularly for fulfilling. Uh, Emily, I went to the Congo uh, as an example to help a message minister. Uh, with some technology and uh, some some other support for translating message materials and other religious materials into the tribal languages and into French from English, uh, and that was a I really really enjoyed that experience. I traveled to the Congo and and uh, participated in that, and I thought that was uh, I thought that was a fabulous opportunity. So there were I enjoyed the opportunity to meet with the people. 
and to do the things that I did inside the message, I thought the people were absolutely fabulous. And as far as being all in, Rod, I I approached the message when I was being spoken to by the ministry of Cloverdale Bible Way regarding the message. The question they asked was, do you believe William Branham is a prophet of God? And my approach to that question at the time was that you ignore that at your peril. Now, I didn't know a lot about William Branham, and I didn't know a lot about the message. I had not been raised in the message. This was a new introduction to me. So I basically was knew that I was at the position or at the stage where I'd have to learn a lot more as to whether or not I actually was uh, totally message or that I would reject the message. But I knew that in the discussions from what I had heard, not believing William Branham as a prophet of God may be perilous because of the information that I had received from the message ministers and how they approached William Branham as the prophet. So, so I, you know, was I all in? Yeah. I, I mean, I can, I can say that my intention at that point was to learn as much as I could about the message and the messenger so that I could, that I could honestly say it's like any other faith that you take on. You want to be sure that you're full in your faith or you're full in your knowledge of the faith. And I wanted to be more full in the knowledge of my faith. So my goal was to learn more about the prophet and to study the prophet and to study the message. Uh, so yeah, in that regard, I was all in. In that, I was a full-time student of the message from a uh, from a spiritual perspective. And and that's scriptural study to show yourself approved, right? That is that is part of what what Christianity is about in any event. So what caused you to begin to question the message? Well, that's a, that's a great question. There were lots of things. The name of this podcast is Off the Shelf, and essentially, when you were to approach the ministry with a question, a lot of what they asked you to do is uh, just put that question on the shelf. And a lot of the answers that I received from ministry, now I'm, I'm a, a fairly smart guy, and I would come with a thoughtful question that I thought was well-researched, and it had some questionable um links to the message. It was scripturally based. Now, I have to say in in Catholicism, you're not encouraged to learn scripture. Every day they tell you exactly what you're going to say and which verses you're going to read. There is a uh, a, uh, a book that you get at, when you walk into service, and it guides you through the service in terms of what you do. It, you're not, there isn't a lot of Bible study in the message either. As, as there wasn't in Catholicism. But one of the things I knew I had to do was to get closer to the Bible. So I would study the Bible independent of the message, and then I would go to the ministers and say, hey, I, this concerns me. What about this? And the question, the response that I got frequently was, look, I've been a minister in the message for 40 years. You've been involved in the message for three or four years. What could you possibly know because you've only been involved with it for three or four years, I will tell you how this works because I've been involved with this for 30 or 40 years. And and at that time, being a, being a fairly smart individual, that didn't work with me because I know that salvation is an individual uh, ob obligation. It is not groupthink. The, the message church you attend cannot save you. 
It has to be the proclamation of the relationship with Jesus Christ. So I knew that I needed to figure that out for myself. And the answer that I, you know, geez, you're, you're, you're too new at this. How in the world would you, you know, I've, I've been doing this for 40 years. You don't know what you're talking about. So uh, one of the questions that I had was, as an example, concerning um, uh, someone in the, in the assembly that I had become attracted to and was essentially told, uh, you're you're not allowed to do that. And basically my question was, why can't I do that? And there were several circumstances among them that this other person had been previously married and divorced, and therefore, based on the message doctrine, she would never be in a position to be able to remarry again, and that I had been previously married and divorced, and as a result of that, I could never be, I may never be in a position to remarry. Although for men, it was a lot easier for women. I just had to jump through a couple of hurdles. But for her, it was a non, non-starter. It was a non-issue. So as we began, as I began to develop that or to look at that, um, you know, my questions were, I understand the, the scriptural significance of that. But these guys are telling me that this is the unforgivable sin. And I realized that there is only one unforgivable sin. And at that point, it was, my question was, how does one overcome the objections of, as an example, we are all sinners and we all come to Christ at different places when we are saved or when we, when we receive Christ, when we, when we receive Christ in our hearts, are we new again? And how does one approach, how does one approach that aspect of, of uh, salvation? And the, the, what I got from the ministry was particularly on, I, I couldn't find, I couldn't follow that anywhere in the scripture. Yeah, it's very, it's a very legalistic approach, which is not based on scripture, but is based on what William Branham said. Yeah, exactly. And so, and there is, and I understand the scriptural foundation. It's just that they, now they take it 10 more steps and had the, you know, you, you can, I mean, it's a very difficult structure. So when I would sit down and talk with the minister about this and other things, there was a particular book that was published by Voice of God recording the Branham family. And it essentially said, if somebody asks you about this, here's the way you tell them they're wrong. And this book was basically, the ministers had this book and they would file through, oh, you want to know about this? Well, let me tell you how wrong you really are. Here are the, the seven quotes from William Branham that you should go back and study. And because his, his word is the, the next testament, uh, the, the voice of God, essentially, the, you know, the revelation of, of the Holy Spirit for our time, then, then that's what you need to pay attention to. And, and you know, that didn't, I, that didn't set well with me because it departed from look at the Bible and understand what the Bible said or look at base, the basic, you know, basic scripture. So uh, that, that led me to start to seriously question when this woman and I did, in fact, get married outside after we had counseled with ministry at the church and the ministry told us, yeah, you're, that's not going to happen. So we did actually counsel with other ministers, including message ministers across the United States, people who had had the same distinction. It's interesting. Message ministers say, well, I walked with the prophet, which presumably gives them more credibility or more of a position of authority to be able mm-hmm. to speak. And, you know, we, we went to message ministers in, in one message minister that had actually walked with the prophet more significantly than the folks at Cloverdale Bible Way. And asked him, and and he, in in our discussions, that minister had no issue 
with our marriage. And so there was, because we couldn't come up with a consensus, it was like, well, if it's okay over here, why isn't it okay over here? What does the Bible say? How do you reconcile this message assembly versus this guy over here? And and it, it became very, very clear that the met not the message, although they preached against denominations, was amazingly denominated. <laughs> and there are and there are just, I mean, different fact patterns and different belief patterns in each one of the message churches. And and I it it was that to me was a bit discouraging. But after we returned from being married, we were told by our message assembly, thank you, but you're not invited back to church. And when we heard that, uh, obviously that was a real issue um, because we still desired to go back and, and be in that church. But we were told, thanks, but no. Over the pulpit, it was spoken about several times that obviously we chose not to remain. And as a result of choosing not to remain, people at the church shouldn't associate with us. In the meanwhile, however, the ministry took it upon themselves to covertly communicate via email with my wife. And they were essentially telling my wife to separate herself from the seriously sinful living. And that was the only way she could return to the church. And the language was very interesting. They didn't say, that's the way you return to salvation. They didn't say that's the way you return to your faith. They said the only way you will be able to return to the church is to separate yourself from this seriously sinful living. And that campaign took place for months, unbeknownst to me. And in fact, it was the decision was taken by my spouse that she really wanted to return to the church. The pressure was so huge and her family and her social group had been there for years. And so she, in fact, did return to the church and we divorced as a result of the campaign from the folks. Now, when I began to study that, obviously, I was very, very angry. When I began to study about that, it was an interesting I would go back and look and and look at the marriage vows. And I asked the message ministry. What about the what about the part in the marriage ceremony that says what God has placed together, not what let no man put us under? Mm-hmm. And the response I got was, well, God couldn't possibly have put you guys together because you couldn't have been married. I mean, I mean, your your marriage was so out of the possibility as it relates to the word of God that God didn't put you together. You put you together. So we f- we felt no compunction or no. We, we didn't feel at all concerned that we were destroying something that God had put together and that we felt like we could put us under your your relationship because it was seriously sinful living as they repeated over and over. And this is something that another message message minister would say is fine. But this this church said it's not fine so they could destroy the message. Other ministers would say it's okay and don't destroy it, but this church says destroy it and they did. And now I'm aware they've destroyed other marriages. And the other thing which I found very disconcerting was in a in a not dissimilar circumstance involving two previously married people who they joined together, then it's okay. So yeah. you could have yeah. one we could have one couple, both previously married, they get married in the church, that is okay. But another one gets married out in another church, and that's not okay because they didn't, quote, unquote, approve it. 
Right. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't sanctioned by that ministry. What's well, interesting, and and this was one of the things that led me to the questions early. There was a couple sitting in the ministry, the who had been married multiple times, both man and woman, who were in the inner circle of the ministry, and that group of people, they the ministry had no problem with them, and their their response was, well, they repented. Since they've come to this assembly, of course, they've repented to that. That's just been horrible. So, you know, we, we've accepted them now as being married. Well, you're the married or you're not from a, from a spiritual perspective. You're either, you know, but, but they didn't, at any rate, we, that, that led me to, you know, to have real issues with the message. And I began to look at the message. Um, I basically, I departed. But, and it's interesting because when people leave the message, the assumption is you left God. Mm-hmm. And and how in the world, you know, now that you've left the message, you've left God, now you're out there living a reprobate life. And you're out there completely outside of anything from a scriptural or spiritual perspective. Well, and, and in respect to this church specifically, it's not just if you leave the message, you've left God. If you leave their church, you've left God. Because in my case, yeah. we went from because of sin in the ministry, we left the church, as did 60% of the people in the church, and a new church started up, and everybody who went to that new church had left God because they left the ministry of yeah, the prior yeah, church. Yeah, and so yeah. this is like, this is so cultish, it is beyond belief in terms of a scriptural perspective. Well, and, and, you know, the same ministry when, as an example, later, or even when I was in the message, they were cherry-picking donors, if you will. They would approach people who were in different messages and tell them that the true message resided in their church. And if you went to somebody else's, you weren't actually getting the unadulterated message of William Branham. You were kind of getting a hybrid that was okay, but it wasn't really the true message. And so they should move closer to Cloverdale or they should move up to, to Canada in order to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Even in my own family, I've been told, you know, if, if I wasn't raised in the specific message church that I had been raised in, and if I had been raised in a different one who family members went to later, then I would have not left the message because this message church was better than this message church. That's funny. It's yeah. (laughs) And yet we see the population of message churches. I, I attended, I just at the, I had been having a discussion with a message minister here uh, at the invitation of one of his family members. And, uh, and he invited me to attend message services. And I, I am all over that. I'm, I'm all for that. It's interesting to me to see where churches are and where ministries are and what's being taught in message churches. So I attended services there one Sunday. And what was interesting about that experience was that this guy's church was built to hold 120, 150 people. There were 12, including the Mm. minister and his wife and, and the song service. And the, there were 12 people that, you know, were there, you know, I was the 13th guy, kind of the unlucky number in the group, but, (laughs) At the end of the day, you know that. So, you it, is it a huge surprise that message churches are uh, decreasing in size because the message churches themselves are nearly in open warfare in terms of whose message church you should go to, and which message churches are acceptable and aren't acceptable. Thanks, Emily and Tim. We are going to continue our conversation in one month from now. So please tell your friends, and particularly those who are still in the message 
that Off the Shelf is back on the air. If you have any questions that you would like us to address, please send an email to me at rod, R-O-D, at offtheshelf.life or leave a comment on our website at offtheshelf.life. We would really love to hear from you. We hope these podcasts help you and we want you to know that we appreciate you taking the time to listen. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Thanks for listening. Twisted systems that devour Pyramids without a friend Crushing hearts for pride and power Wars with nothing to defend Just leave it all and rise above Where my grace shines bright and fair Far beyond the strife of tongues I will always meet you there Call nobody here your father, child My anointing mustn't be defiled Let the heart I gave be free and wild You come follow me Follow me.